Hello, and welcome to season three of Unadulterated Heart. It is I, your host and friend, Rachel the Beloved. This season is going to get deep, so I hope you're ready for some filet mignon. I'm going to go sit at the table in the presence of my enemies. I'll see you there. Check out the Pastor's Voice podcast episode called The Power of an Unadulterated Heart, where we discuss current issues in a Christian worldview. Welcome to the Pastor's Voice. I am your host, Rule Sample. I am talking to pastors and Christian leaders about the issues of the day that impact their ministries and the people they serve. I believe that pastors play a powerful role in the lives of their congregations. Our people are faced with questions on faith and practice every day. They have been given a lot of Bible knowledge, but we can do a better job in helping them apply that knowledge to the challenges they see on the news and in their families. Just how should Christians respond to gun violence and protests, immigration issues, differences with political figures, gender identity, education challenges, and there are so many more. We are to be salt and light to this world. Let's teach our congregations how to do that. I invite you to listen to the Pastor's Voice podcast at www.thepastorsvoice.net or on any of your favorite podcast networks. Everyone has heard the phrase, happily married. But have you heard of being happily single? (laughs) Yeah, me either. There are two types of single people in the kingdom. One that has been given the grace of singleness, like Paul speaks of in 1 Corinthians 7. He says that it's good to stay unmarried. But if you burn with passion, that it is better to marry. So here's what I get from that. Clearly, Paul must have not burned with passion, or he would have taken his own advice and got married. He must have had a special grace on his life to stay single and complete the destiny God called for him to do. On the other hand, if you have a strong desire to get married, then it is better that you do. When we commit ourselves to the Father, He births inside of us all kinds of healthy passions and desires. Today, I want to specifically talk about the desire to be married but walking through the season of singleness, waiting for the one that God has purposed for you. I am not talking about soulmates because if I'm honest, I just don't really believe in all that. I think there are obviously personality and character traits that work really well together and some that don't really jive. There is definitely a strong importance to being equally yoked though, which to me means being on the same maturity level when it comes to seeking the Lord. Here's why. In Ephesians 5, it speaks about what godly marriage looks like. It starts in verse 21 when it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as you do the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. 
but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So where it can get messy is when the wife is spiritually more mature than the husband, and of course vice versa. But here's something that I ponder. God has purposed the man to be the head of the house, right? And the wife to be the helpmate. So of course the woman needs to be conducting herself with dignity and grace, like it talks about in Proverbs 31. But if the man isn't mature enough to lead her, then that is much harder for the woman to respect and follow that man. Then say the man is walking in godliness, but the woman is unwilling to be led. This is why in 2 Corinthians 6, it tells us to not be unequally yoked. You end up working against each other instead of in harmony towards a common purpose and goal. I get into more depth in this conversation with my friend Ange. She is also walking through this season of singleness and has been waiting for her husband for many years. Her and I have very different stories and backgrounds, but we are both in the same season right now. She has been faithful to the Lord her whole life, saving herself for marriage. So her faith walk is much different than mine. So I had to get her insight on this. Come listen in. All right. So I have my friend Ange on with me today because she knows exactly what I'm going through because she's also in the same season. She is a very powerful, very faithful woman of God that I highly respect and have learned so much from in these past, oh, Ange, how long have we been friends for? Like 10, 10 years? Uh, I don't think quite that long. Maybe eight. Eight? Okay. Either way, a long time. And I, you know, am so happy that you're on this episode with me today because um, I just really value your input. And really, I, I know that God is doing big things in you and he's really brought you through this season. I've seen you have highs and lows in this season. And so that's why I wanted to bring you on to talk about um, what God is doing, what he has done, how you deal with certain things and, um, and yeah, go from there. Absolutely. I am honored that you asked me and thank you for that super kind introduction. Yeah, of course. I'm thankful for you. Mm. You are definitely a blessing to my life and, you know, it's seen its highs and lows and we just pick it up and stay steadfast with each other. That's what true Christian sisterhood is about, right? Absolutely. Firstly, the name of my episode is Happily Single because... I wanted to talk about how you hear so often happily married, but what about happily single? Like, why can't people be happy and single, right? So um, whenever you talk about being single, there's always this kind of stigma that single people are lonely and sad and, or on the other hand, they're uh living in the world and doing their thing single away, you know, maybe they're happy about it um, in a worldly way. But uh, if you're Christian and single, since you can't do all that, um, it's, it's just different for us. Just because the reason I say this is because I have been single in the worldly way and now I'm single living a Christian life and it, it's very different. Because when I was single living in the world, it 
it really was worldly fun. I can't, I don't want to say fun because now I don't see it as fun because my, my vision has changed. But back then it was fun. And so I didn't really mind being single because I could just date whoever I wanted and do whatever I wanted whenever I wanted. And it didn't really matter. I had no consequence and my conscience wasn't ever um, violated. So, um, but that's very, a different story from yours because you've always been so faithful to God. And so um, that's why I wanted to have you on here because our stories and backgrounds are so different. And now we're in the same season and I'm um, in this Christian singleness. And I will tell you, like in the beginning, it was really hard. And not that it's not hard sometimes, but I have found myself, the closer that I get to the Lord and the closer that I get to um, discovering deeper intimacy with him and purpose and calling and walking in that, I it's, it's less and less a burden. Uh, the first question that I have for you, Ange, is how have you remained faithful to him even though you've been waiting for a while? So, girl, I could talk about this question and this topic for hours on end because <laughs> I'm very passionate about it. Yeah. And I really think not only in the world is the idea of singleness very skewed, but it's skewed in the church, too. It's looked at from a very broken point of view. I think that a lot of times people see singleness as, you know, lacking something. Right. Not. Right. I mean, God, God has you in a season of singleness for a reason and a purpose. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, even from the time that we're kids, early teenagers, you know, 12, 13, when you're starting to notice guys or wanting to date or whatever it might be, we're just not taught the healthy way to do it and the right way to do it. Yeah. And I think that so often we're taught that we need this other person to complete us. When in reality, no person is ever going to complete us. Amen. Two unhealthies do not a healthy person make. I think that we need to restore in our culture, both worldly and in the church, what it means to pursue God first and then let everything else fall into place. So, I mean, for me, I'm fortunate. I, I grew up in the church. I grew up loving Jesus and I've known him my whole life and not that I haven't had moments where I faltered you know um we all make bad choices once in a while time and again but he's he's a forgiving faithful God so he has protected me from so many things yeah and I just have always put him first and there were times when um I would maybe pursue dating a guy and it would turn into things that it shouldn't have turned into and God would get me out of that situation. Yeah. Because I'm still seeking after him. I just wasn't putting him first necessarily. I was, I was seeking relationship with the the person that I was with before I was seeking God. And that, that never works. It's Mm -mm. not an easy choice to remain where until you're married. But ultimately that is something that God wants you to save for your husband or your wife so that they can have the whole of you and not just pieces of you because every time you're with someone a piece of you is taken and it just I mean I haven't experienced that personally but I've seen it time and again with different 
female friends who have had multiple partners. It just, it destroys your character. It destroys your spirit. It, it hurts you every time you're with somebody different. Oh, it so does, man. I can, I can attest to that because before I came to the Lord, I was very promiscuous. Very, I just didn't care. I didn't have value uh, for myself or for the people that I was with. I didn't, I just did not care about it. I didn't see the value in it. I didn't know about God's plan in it and it was fun. And so I did it and I just didn't care. But now that I know him in a different light, I do so care. And now that I've repented and and he's made me clean and washed me clean, I truly am excited to wait. I don't even want to compromise myself in the way of giving that up again because I am so excited to be made new in him, which means that I'm completely free from who I was, which means since he's washed me clean and since then I have stayed pure and and am choosing and plan to stay pure until I am married again. Um, I really, I really know in my heart that it will be as blessed as it could be even from the beginning. Absolutely. And, you know, just to encourage you a little bit, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners as well, I think that the point of view that a lot of people take is, okay, well, I lost my virginity, you know, now I screwed up, like I'm broken. I can't, I can't ever gain that back, but that's not true Yeah. because the second that you come to God and repent and you say like, listen, I know, I know God, I know that wasn't right and I shouldn't have done it. And I'm sorry. He does wash you white as snow. And while you may have experienced intimacy with someone before, that doesn't mean that when you meet your husband, if you've kept yourself pure, it won't be like a whole new experience Absolutely. because it will. And when it's the right person and the one that God has created you to be with, it will still be special. Even though it's not your first time, it'll be like it was your first time and in a healthy way, not in a way where it's just hormonal and physical. It'll be a way that you're connected spiritually, physically, emotionally, and all in a healthy way. It's not going to be like it was ever before. So just be encouraged in that. I mean, Thanks. you know that God has wiped you clean and washed you whiter than snow now that you're walking with him and new in him. Yes. Um, but I think a lot of people misunderstand that. Like, just because you made a mistake multiple times or one time doesn't mean that you can't be renewed and doesn't mean that you're worthless and you can continue down that path. Because I know I've had conversations with some of the teens like, well, I you know, I lost my virginity, so now I can just sleep with whoever I want because I lost it the first time. So, you know, now it doesn't matter. That is such the wrong perspective to take because it's not how God wants it to be or how God created it to be. Amen. That's so good, dude. Because, and truly, I, I've noticed that it, it's just, it's all about intimacy with him, right? Because the closer that yeah. you get to him, the more your desires just change towards Absolutely. his it's, mm -hmm. it's not about like you forcing yourself to not want to do it because believe me, right. I've tried to do that, <laughs> but that work. Uh, does not work at all. But what happens when you grow closer to him and you just fall in love with him more and more and learn more and more about his love for you, you want to just do right by him because you love him so much. Like, yeah. not because you feel like you have to, but because you want to. And and then those temptations, of course, are there, but your desire to please him is far greater. Don't Like, right. don't you think? Yes, 
And it's funny that you should use the word wait because wait is actually my word for the year. Mm. And when God revealed that to me, I was like, Lord, what the heck? Why did you pick the word wait for me? (laughs) And so I'm still, you know, processing that with him and trying to see what it is that his reason is for giving me that particular word. But I know that he's teaching me to wait well. So for me, sometimes I have a tendency to try to take the reins and take control of things and, you know, start online dating or, and again, that's nothing against online dating, but it's not for me because I, I, I don't know. It just, and, and that's not to say that it's not for other people, but it's just not the right step for me because every time I do it, it ends up that I am trying to take control and figure out things on my own and not letting God take the steering wheel. I Um, am with you. I'm with you. I I agree. Like it's really super hard to meet people, but I just have to trust that as I pray for my husband, that my husband is also praying for me and that God will align us and cause us to meet each other when the time is right. And that's hard for me because I'll be 39 in April. You know, I did not think that I would still be single and running a household on my own and providing for myself by the age of, you know, 30, 38, 39, I would have thought I would have been married and settled and whatever by now. But God's plan is much different than anything we could ever come up with. And it's always, he promises that it'll be better than anything we could ask for or imagine. So yes, I know that he has something good in store, but that doesn't mean that it's not hard to wait. So I doing my best to try to wait well and put him first and pursue him first and, figure out what it is that he would have for me, although he keeps telling me to stop trying to figure it out. So just being patient with what it is that he's doing in my life. So that comes with the idea of waiting for sexual intimacy and waiting for my husband too. So, cause I want what other people have. I have tons of married friends and they're all happily married. I have great role models for that in my life, but it's hard to not have it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's it's incredible that you say that because it leads me to my next question, which was how do you keep your heart free from comparison, especially in this social media age that we're that we live in? How do you not get um, discouraged because of that? So I wanted to kind of touch on something that you had said at the beginning. Absolutely. A lot of times um, people think that single people are lonely or that they're alone all the time or, or it's depressing or sad or whatever. And I think the thing is that that's a misconception yeah. because you can be just alone in a marriage, just as alone in a married relationship as what you can in a single one. That's right. And like say you marry someone who is not walking with the Lord. You, it says in the word not to be unequally yoked. That's right. Meaning don't marry someone who doesn't believe in the same things that you do. And that will cause for great loneliness because your person is not going to be beside you in church worshiping the same way that you are. Your person is not going to be spending time with God on the daily like you are, seeking after him like you are. That's a lonely place to be. Absolutely. That way, and it's hard. Yeah. Uh, So I guess for me, there's two ways that I combat that comparison thing that you just asked me about. Yeah. And one would be... I am very, very limited on the social media that I intake. When I spend too much time on social media, it takes me down that path. Like, why don't I have what they have? And that's just, it's not healthy for me. So I stay away from it for that reason. Nice. 
and I've seen that it, it helps and I can see the difference when I spend time on it and when I don't. Yeah. And so social media is limited in my life as well as gratitude. It changes our perspective so much. Yes. So when I head down that road of like, why me? Why am I not married yet? Why didn't I meet somebody? Why don't I have my dream job? You know, asking God all those things like, why isn't my plan working? Then I'm thankful for the friends that I have that challenge me or I challenge myself to say, okay, wait, hold on, time out. Lord, I'm thankful for the house that I have. I'm Mm -hmm. thankful for the job that I have that pays my bills, even if it's not my dream job. God, I'm thankful for the friendships that I have, for the the people that come and help me do things at my house. You know, one of my friends put a shower in for me as my Christmas present and wouldn't let me pay him. Oh, wow. He bought all the parts. He installed the shower. Literally, I could cry every time I take a shower because it's such a huge blessing. And that's not something that I could have done on my own, nor that I could have afforded to pay someone to do. So, you know, I remind myself all the time that God meets my every need. And when I start to be like, okay, God, if I had a husband, I could pay my bills better. Or, God, if I had a husband, he could fix these things. Then immediately he'll bring to mind, well, what what about the friends that have put a new lock on your back door because you weren't feeling safe? And you couldn't have done that on your own. You know, another friend, her husband, I didn't even ask her to ask him. She just kind of did it on her own. She she was like, hey, can you go do this for Ange? And he was like immediately, yeah, she's my sister. Of course I'll do that for her. So he came over and changed out the deadbolt on my back door. Again, God provides for things that we can't do on our own when we're seeking him first and trusting him to take care of those things. And I know that that's been key in my not getting so caught up in the comparison trap of what I have and what I don't have. Wow. That's, that's incredible. All of that is just amazing. And I love how you brought up in the beginning, uh, the unequally yoked thing, because you didn't even hear my intro cause I didn't share it with you. But, uh, in the intro, I talked about being unequally, unequally yoked and how disastrous it can be. This is just a cautionary tale. You know, the, we are both single at this point in time, and hopefully the, those that are listening to this podcast will hear and kind of take a second thought as to where they stand with who they're seeking after, you know. And those, they might be encouraged, too, if they are currently married and their, their spouse is not following the Lord, you know. There's hope in that. God can redeem that. And Absolutely. Through your, through your witness and the way that you live your life. But Absolutely. Like you said, the thing is, we have got to be with someone who demonstrates that intimacy with the Lord. And that's what I'm coming to learn. You know, the person that I'm talking to may or may not be at the same level as I am, but the way that they talk about Jesus with me and their walk with Jesus, it has to be demonstrated. You know, I've got to see that you're pursuing him on your own. You know, you've got to come to me with what Jesus is teaching you the same way that I'm going to come to you and say, hey, like, check out this really awesome thing that I learned in the word today. And if that's not in the conversations then that we're having, then it's probably not the relationship that God is meaning for me to be in. Yes. And I'm in this, I'm in the same boat and I completely agree with you. I, the quicker you obey, like if God kind of made it clear and you are kind of putting it off because you don't want to hurt feelings or for whatever other reason, really it's just a waste of time. There's there's no reason to waste their time or your time. 
if mm-hmm. you already know that it's not meant to be. So right. I I have just gotten to the point where I just say like, hey, uh, no hard feelings or anything. I just know that I'm being called in a different direction. Um, you know, I wish you the best. I am praying for you to find the one that is meant for you, but I know that I'm not that one. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's taken well and sometimes not. It's better to cut it off early than to roll it out for so long and like for no reason at, at, at all, you know? Yeah, that's a really good perspective to take. And I think for me, it's just, I keep asking like, okay, Lord, do I or do I not have peace in this? I also talk about this in the intro. God gives us healthy desires and yeah. passions. You know, he's the one that places these things inside of us. We are who we are. He's made us unique, every single right. one of us. And I talk about how there's different characteristics and personalities that really work well together and some that really just don't. And there's right. no, there's nothing wrong with it. There, It's just different. It doesn't mean that one is better than the other. It just means that they're different. And if it doesn't jive, it doesn't jive. How do you deal with the disappointment of thinking somebody could be that person and then come to find out that they're definitely not? Yeah, that's really hard. And, you know, you go through kind of like, almost like a grief process you know you mourn the loss of what you thought it could have been right and I know for me at least in the last relationship that I was in that didn't end well I mean I knew I think from the beginning that it wasn't what it needed to be but I wanted it to work so bad that I was talking myself into it and overlooking things and kind of going my own way with it until God convicted me you know, pretty, pretty strongly. And I put my foot down and said, okay, like we can't, we can't do this anymore. Like lose my number. Don't, don't talk to me anymore. Mm. And it was, it was extremely difficult and I was very disappointed and very upset. And I think the only real way to deal with it, you can't even talk to all of your friends about it because a lot of people will say, oh, you know, just get over it or just why'd you break up with him? Like it could have been a good thing. You could have looked over those faults or whatever. But I think for me, the main thing is just taking it back to Jesus. Like, okay, Lord, you got to heal my heart because I've kept it for you up to this point. I have to give it back to you and trust that you'll take care of my broken heart and heal it as well as bring the right person who will take care of my heart the way that they're supposed to and not take control of it, you know? And that's the only way to deal with any kind of disappointment, whether that's your job is not what you think your job should be, or you're struggling at a friendship or whatever the case may be, whatever the disappointment is, it's okay to go to God with those feelings. He gave us emotions for a reason, but the best way to handle it is to take that emotion first feel it and then take it back to Papa and say, all right, like, what am I learning in this? What do you need me to do with this? What do you want me to do with this? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll say, because I've had this conversation with some people, especially like younger Christians who would say, well, I don't know how to hear from God. I don't know. How do I know if it's God's voice that I'm hearing? Or I don't know how to respond or how to, how to really know that it's him that's talking to me. And, And when I say these things, like, 
I take my emotions back to Papa and let him show me how to be healthy or how to be healed. It's not so much that I audibly hear his voice say things, but it's you feel his presence and you sense his presence and his peace. And then he'll guide you to scriptures, he'll guide you to podcasts, he'll guide you to worship songs, and you know that he's there and he's in your presence. It's, it's more about your intimacy level with him and just being present with him, and that's, that's where the healing comes from, and that's where the disappointment and the discouragement turns into freedom and encouragement and being wrapped in his love because that's the root of all of it is being just rooted and seated in his love and mm. not anything else. That's right. Oh, that's so good. And you're right. That is exactly how we could deal with any kind of disappointment in our lives. Then the last question that I had for you, uh, it kind of goes along with, you said that your word for this year specifically was wait, as in you're waiting on the Lord. Um, as I am also waiting on the Lord, as many people, even if they're not in a single kind of season, they're, they could be waiting for something else. So uh, throughout our lives, we go through all kinds of waiting on the Lord. You said you know that you are learning how to wait well, um, because that is something that I have also been learning a lot about because um, waiting is hard. It is not easy at all. And we're not really a patient race. Like the human oh. beings aren't really patient in nature, I don't think. Um, so uh, for me specifically, just before you answer, I, um, I have been learning more and more how to be the wife that he is calling me to be. He's teaching me now in this season how to not only walk out my singleness and, um, and wait well, like you said, but to prepare me to be the wife that he is going to be uh, calling me to be because my husband is also being prepared at this time. And so uh, in my preparing, I'm learning about modesty when I start dating this person, whoever it is, even though we are going to start to get close and everything, I am going to still need to learn how to walk in modesty and not tempt him beyond measure because right. that is not right. So with you, what does waiting well look like? Yeah, that's kind of a, that's kind of a big question, okay. I guess. Pastor Josh's sermon this past Sunday, which go follow Cross Point Assembly of God and Carmichael's on YouTube and you can watch it. There's yeah. my shameless plug. <laughs> uh, it was it was a powerful, powerful message last week on waiting. Mm. And man, I was heavy, really heavy verse both first service and second service, knowing mm. that wait is my word for the year. Mm. Uh, because I think that not only as a human race, but specifically as an American culture, oh yeah, we do definitely not wait well, and we're used to every answer coming instantaneously. You know, at our fingertips, you hit Amazon Prime and it's there in two days. You um, don't like to wait in line at Walmart. You want immediate results because that's the culture in, in which we live. Everything is instantaneous, and nothing is waited on. You're right. So I think for me, what the Lord has been showing me is that anything worthwhile takes time. Mm. So whatever that might be, whether that's me being prepared to be the proper wife to my husband when the time comes, 
or whether that's getting my body into shape, like eating the proper things, exercising, things like that, that takes time. Yeah. I'm not going to lose 10 pounds overnight. Like it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Uh, getting out of debt, there's no easy answer. There's no quick resolution. It took time to get into debt and it will take time to get out of debt. Yeah. Um, and learning scripture, studying the word, I have people ask me all the time, Ange, how do you know the things that you know about scripture? I'm 38 years old and I've been walking with the Lord since I was a little kid. I grew up in Sunday school. I went to a Christian college. I've always been in the word. It's not been an overnight process. Right. So studying scripture and learning to understand the word, it's not something that happens overnight. And yes, Holy Spirit leads and guides you while you're reading the word and it is a living active document. But it's not going to be perfect the first time you pick it up. It's like any relationship. A friendship's not going to happen and develop overnight. Yes, you might connect with somebody right away and know that they're meant to be your friend. But you'll learn things about them over the years. Nothing that's worth having is instantaneous. Mm. Anything that's worth having is worth waiting on and taking time and investment in in order for it to grow and develop. Just like... It says in the word, you know, you plant seeds and that seed doesn't come to fruition right away. It has to be watered. It has to grow. It has to have sun in order for it to come to fruit. And I think, again, it points right back to scripture. Uh, it's in John 15, I believe. God talks about um, Jesus being the vine and the branches, right? Mm, yeah. And the, when we abide in him, and abiding just means to stay steady and steadfast with I think abiding goes hand in hand with waiting when we abide in him and spend good time, good quality time with him and stay connected to God in every moment of every day, then waiting won't be as hard because he's in, he's with us and we're in his presence and he, he's preparing and we can trust that he's preparing something better for us. So that's just kind of what I've been chewing on when it comes to waiting. Well, like, okay, what's the end goal? end goal is something that's developed and worthwhile, not something that's immediate. Oh, the waiting isn't just sitting around and doing nothing. Right, right. Waiting is an active thing. Absolutely. Like It's it's definitely not twiddling our thumbs, waiting for no. God to just drop into our laps, whatever no. it is that we're waiting for. We no. have got to be actively, like you said, pursuing the things of him. What it says in his word is that when we delight ourselves in him, right? When we delight ourselves in him. So if we're delighting ourselves in him, then that means we are making him a a priority. We're worshiping, we're learning, we're, you know, falling in love. Like I talked about earlier, it's, it's an active thing, delighting ourselves in him. Then he gives us the desires of our hearts, whatever it is that we're waiting for we have to put him first and delight and find our pure joy and our pure value and our pure excitement in him first before he gives us what it is that's our heart's desire. And I think that's because if it was just our heart's desire, then it wouldn't align with his. That's right. And when we're delighting in him, our desires will match what his desires are. So when he does bring that thing to us, 
that's meant for us will recognize it, right? Because if we're not delighting ourselves in him, then we're not seeking after the same things that he is, and we won't recognize what's best for us. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. And also, if he gives it to us too quickly before we're prepared for it, we could make it an idol. And then if this thing is our idol, then he's no longer the center of whatever it is, then it just crumbles anyways. Because nothing can live up to his where he should be seated. So we cannot have any idol placed in front of him. So he's not going to give us anything out of timing because he wants to be first always. Yes. I think the thing is too, we can also trust his promises knowing that he's faithful. Yeah. So in scripture, it says that the Lord is good to those who wait for him Mm. and that when we watch and wait expectantly for him, he'll hear us and he'll bring salvation to us and he'll bring the things that are best for us to us because he knows what's best for us more than what we do. Right. So we may not understand what he's doing, but he knows he sees the whole picture when we can only see a part of it. Exactly. Again, if you are already married and find yourself unequally yoked, there is redemption. In 1 Corinthians 7, it talks about the unbelieving spouse being sanctified through the believing spouse. There is always hope. In Philippians 4, the famous scripture, I can do all things through him who gives me strength, is preceded by Paul saying that he has learned to be content whatever the circumstance. He learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. It is in and through Jesus. I can honestly say that even though my current circumstance isn't ideal, and I do desire to be married, like Paul, I have learned how to be truly content in this season. In the secret place with the Father is where I find strength and joy in His presence while I wait. Go in peace and love. Until next time.